0: But hey, good morning. Welcome to Obviously Bible. Glad you're here today. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a series called The Five Solas. And uh, basically what this is, is we're looking back at something that happened that affected you and affected me and really affected all of society and Western history uh, called the Reformation. And it really kicked off with Martin Luther 500 years ago next Tuesday... Uh, nailing 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church. And that was a place, it was a bulletin board where uh, Luther was at the time um, a professor of theology there. And so often the professors of theology would use this as a bulletin board and they would post things there for discussion among themselves and their students. And Luther, what he does is he's been studying God's word and he's realizing That uh, what the church is teaching and doing and what God's word clearly says don't line up. And so he posts these 95 theses on the door to the church for discussion. Try to get rid of that popping. For discussion among his colleagues. And uh, the, the big goal is he, he writes it actually in Latin and puts it up on the door. And he wants to discuss it with the other professors there at Wittenberg, at the University of Wittenberg. Well, uh, some of Luther's students see this on the door and knowing some Latin themselves, they read it. And then they take it down and go make copies of it in German because they think everybody ought to be discussing these things. And soon, because of the printing press, which had recently been invented, uh, there were copies of it made, spread all throughout uh, the area, that area of Germany. And within two weeks, every little village around Wittenberg and uh, the surrounding area had a copy of these 95 theses of Luther, and it caused a firestorm. It was pretty incredible. He never intended for this to happen. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, he, just, he just tripped upon it. It was just... It, He never expected this to be the result of him writing those things. He never meant it for wide distribution like that. But once the cat was out of the bag, there was no getting it back in. And because of this, uh, Luther really went after some of the teachings of the Catholic Church at the time. And and honestly, still today, where salvation isn't necessarily just by grace alone, but, but there's participation on your part, and there's a role for the church to play in terms of if you're not part of the church, uh, you, you can't be saved. And, to, and these five solas—it's uh, not something like Luther said, solo, you know, "sola gratia," "sola,", sola Christus." None of those things. It was about a hundred years ago from today, as, as historians and theologians were studying the works of Luther and other reformers in that day, they said, "You know what? These five things seem to come up over and over." And over again in their writings. And so they're referred to as the five solas of the Reformation. Well, we've talked so far um, about Christ alone. That salvation is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. He's the only way, the truth, the life. We've talked about uh, grace alone. That uh, last week we looked at God's grace. That, that It has nothing to do with any works on our part. It's totally an act of his grace and his grace alone that we're saved. We talked about scripture alone. Sola Scriptura, that, that God's word and his word alone is our final and highest authority for all matters of life and practice, that we're to believe it in all that it teaches and obey it in all it requires, right? And trust it in all that it promises. God's word alone, and that's it. Not somebody else, not Pastor Josh. God's, what, what does this book say? And today we're going to look at a fifth or a fourth sola, excuse me, sola fide, which is faith alone. Uh, sola fide affirms that the gift of salvation and the benefits for being in God's eternal family come through personal faith in Jesus Christ the savior, not by any good works, not by any personal good works, the merits of a human mediator such as a saint or Mary or someone else or yourself. No religious ceremonies or even institutional efforts. It's solely by faith. And this, to be quite honest, is where so many people, when it comes to trusting Christ and becoming a Christian, trip up. Because it's like, no, there's got to be something I do. I got to do something. And it's often the place where uh, many of us tend to fall away from and into legalism is we want to do all these things to earn God's favor somehow. But the truth is, it's through faith alone, a simple belief. So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to look at a key passage, Galatians 2, verses 15 through 21. I'm going to go ahead and read that now. Then I'll pray. Then we're going to go unpack it. And uh, kids, I know you're in here today. No kids ministry today, right? Because it's fall break. Where are you? Where are the kids at? Let me see you. You guys pay attention because I'm going I'm to need seven volunteers a little bit later. Not right now. Not right now, but in a little while. I see where you're at. So I'm going to need seven of you. Sound good? All right. Let me, let's, let's, uh, let's read the text and then I'll pray and then we'll dive in. Galatians chapter 2. We ourselves, Paul writes, are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He's writing about himself and his companions as he's writing to the Gentile churches in Galatia. He says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ... We too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor, Paul writes. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And here's uh, the crux of the matter in verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved Him, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus, and thanks for your grace to us through him. Um, and Lord, thank you that uh, there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Thank you that it's so simple that all I need to do is have faith. All I need to do is believe and to trust you. And I thank you for that because I know myself. I know that I would, uh, like Luther was, I'd be worried that I never did quite enough. And I would always live in doubt. And I would always live in fear. Lord, my guess is that there's people uh, here in the room today and listening to my voice who... um, they're loving in fear. They just never know if they, they've done quite enough to earn your favor. Or they don't know even if their faith is enough. Holy Spirit, would you use me and use your word today to uh, either challenge them if they've never believed to believe today so that they can be, uh, be sure. And if they have put their faith in you, would you uh, speak comfort to their hearts today so that they would live with freedom and with joy? Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. I pray against the enemy, his servants, or works and effects, he would always tell us there's more to do. But Jesus, the truth is it's already done. We just need to believe. I pray all this, Jesus, through you. Amen. So Galatians chapter 2. Galatians is an interesting book. Let's look again at verse 15. That's our text for today, verses 15 through 21. Paul writes, he says, For we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. What's he talking about? Where did that come from? Well, to understand what he's talking about, you really have to look at the, the, the entire chapter and a half of Galatians that lead up to this. And Paul's writing to a church or churches in Galatia. That's what he says um, in verse 2. It says, uh, to, and the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So this is a letter that would have been spread around to many churches in modern day Turkey. And he writes to them, and uh, he tells them grace and peace, but he dives right in, in verse 6, with, uh, with kind of a, a rebuke. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. What's he, what did they do? He said, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But what is the gospel of Christ? The gospel of Christ is simply that uh, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We sang it, the first song this morning, right? Christ died for our sins. He met death in his grave and he, he rose to new life. And whoever would believe in him, that's how you're saved. Simply believing in the fact that he lived a perfect life, a life you never could and never will. And because of his perfect life, he, he, it's a gift exchange. He gives you then his perfect life and all of its righteousness. And you give him all of your sin and all of your shame. And he takes that and he, he dies with it on him as if he committed it on the cross. And then you and I live as if we have all of his righteousness. That's the gospel. And the only way that you receive that is by faith. There's nothing for you to do. Well, what had happened in these churches is there was a group of people known as the Judaizers. And the Judaizers came in. They were, they were Jewish people who, uh, I don't know that, it'd be hard, I'd be hard-pressed to say that they were followers of Jesus. If they were, they were certainly distorted in their thinking because they would add uh, Jewish customs and Jewish rules and Jewish laws onto other people. Especially the Gentiles, and say, no, no, no. Jesus was Jewish. He's a Jewish Messiah. If you're going to uh, to follow him and be saved by him, you need to become Jewish and live like a Jew, and then you'll be saved. And so they were adding all of these requirements on. And you're like, man, that's how did they get off doing that? I mean, it's by faith we're saved, right? By faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ and His finished work alone. Amen. Now. The truth is, though, that many of us, we've grown up in churches that have done exactly the same thing. We've grown up in churches that maybe they didn't say you needed to live like a Jew, but they did say uh, you need, and and if we're honest, some of us have done this and maybe continue to do this. If you're really saved, if you really are going to be a Christian, you know what, first you need to do this, 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 check all the boxes, and then God will give you his favor and his grace. And if you're not doing those things, I'm not sure if you're a Christian. It's kind of—it's kind of like the fisherman who tries to clean his fish before he catches him. Think about that a second. You can't, can you? It's like saying, "Get it all figured out, and then God will love you and show you grace." No, 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 no. Now, after you've been shown God's grace, then yes, go live those things out. But earning God's—you—you you can't earn it. It's not a requirement. The church consists of anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And you know what that means? That means on one end of the spectrum, you've got people who've been walking with Jesus for a lifetime, and they've got it all figured out, "Quotes in quotes. And what they have figured out is that they don't have anything figured out. And that they're still incredibly messed up. But they understand it's all by God's grace. And slowly, by, by little by little, by faith, they're living lives that are more and more holy. All because of God's grace. They're living out their salvation. Does that make sense? But then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who uh, have believed. And their life is still an incredible mess. And the worst thing you could possibly do is be down at this end of the spectrum. And maybe you've been walking with Jesus for, I'm getting exercise today. You walk with Jesus for a long time and you kind of just have your nose up at the people over there because they don't quite have it figured out. That's what the Judaizers did. And that's who Paul's writing to. He's saying, um, I can't believe that you've, you've abandoned the true gospel for another one. That if, that as if somehow you have to have it all together to be part of God's kingdom. No, 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 no. Nobody's got it together. Everybody's incredibly messed up. Jesus is the only one who's got it together. And by his grace, he fixes all of us. Amen? Yeah. So that's what Paul's writing about. He's saying, see, the people, these Jewish people had come in and and told them, uh, really, rather than refer to them as Jewish people, let's just refer to them as religious people. The religious people came in and said, uh, Galatians? You need to get it all together before you're part of us. Boy, that's a good warning to us, isn't it? That if we're going to grow, guess what? If people are going to meet Jesus in our church, guess what it's going to be? Incredibly messy. Incredibly messy. And you know what else that means? That means that everything that you and I may be like or are used to, I've got to let go of it, don't I? Because the gospel is what I hold on to. And the gospel fixes messed up people like me and like you. And we can't be religious people that say, no, 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 get it together. And then you can be part of us. We say, no, follow Jesus. You're part of us. Let us help you get it together by God's grace. Amen. See, that was the problem here in the Galatian church. That's why Paul says, I'm astonished. You're deserting him. You're deserting Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, one that's based on works. And he goes on and on through these first two chapters talking about that. And he says then in verse 15, we ourselves, these who are, me and my brothers who are writing to you, um, we're Jews by birth. We're not Gentiles. Yet, look what he says. We know... So, hey, if, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you know how you should approach someone who's way on that end of the spectrum? You know what? Yeah, I've been walking with Jesus for, for decades by God's grace. Yet, you know what I know? And, and, and by God's grace, I'm, I don't sin in ways I used to. And, and by God's grace, I'm living a more and more holy life all the time. But you know what? I know that a person, this is what you say to them. I, I know a person isn't justified by their works by getting it all together. I wasn't either. That's what Paul's saying. Not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified, not by works, but by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. See, if it it was really a matter of you getting it all together before you could ever be saved or before you could ever be part of God's people, guess who would be part of God's people and who would be saved? Nobody. No one is justified by works of the law. You're never going to get it figured out. You're, ne- you're never going to get it right. You know, this is something too for us to remember, I think, too. Those of us, there's a lot of children in the room today, right? How are you showing grace to your kids? Yeah, we want them to grow. We want to be, show discipline to them. We want them to grow into followers of Jesus and to grow to maturity. But be careful that the way uh, you discipline them is not with incredible harshness that puts a burden on them like the Judaizers did on the Galatian Christians. Do it in a way that shows love to them. And you can pray for me that I do that with, 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 with Charlie. Um, do it in a way that shows love to them, that they know God's gr- they know God's grace because of your grace to them. They also know God's expectations because of your expectations, but they know more his grace because of your grace. Amen? I haven't even gotten to the outline yet. I'm already going. Uh, So here's where we're going today, though. Paul makes it clear in verse 16.1 that faith leads to justification. Faith leads to justification, not good works. Let me read verse 16 again. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works. You know what I mean by justification? I showed you this diagram uh, a few weeks ago, and it's on the front of your insert again today. But I want to review this again just so you understand what we're talking about here. What Jesus alone does by grace alone and what our faith alone should be in. Jesus on the cross... As I told you, he lived a perfect life, yet Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. That you and I, would you agree you're a sinner, I'm a sinner? We deserve death because of our sin. But Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned, yet he paid the penalty for sin. And in his perfect life, paying the penalty for sin, he accomplishes two things. The first thing he accomplishes is atonement before the Lord. Or uh, theologically, that term sometimes is referred to as propitiation. And what it means is that Jesus' death on the cross satisfied God's wrath for sin. Did you know Ephesians chapter 2 says that you and I, in our sin, were once children of God's wrath? That, That we belong under his wrath? That we deserve to die and spend eternity in hell because of our sin? Now, maybe you don't believe that, but I'm telling you it's true. And you and I deserve hell. I deserve it. But Jesus living a perfect, that's why the, the only thing that will satisfy God's wrath is a, is a perfect substitute, a perfect life. And Jesus was that. And, and his uh, death on the cross, he takes the punch of God's wrath on the cross for me. He takes all of it. as As Isaiah said, he drank the full cup of the wrath of God, he drank it to its dregs. Every last drop that I deserved and you deserve, he paid on the cross. And because of this now, there's this exchange. Luther calls it the wonderful exchange. I call it a gift exchange. That that God looks down at us, the Father looks at us, and he declares us righteous. That's what justification is. Is because, okay, Jesus satisfied wrath for your sins. So you know what? Because of his payment, I'm declaring you righteous. Imagine, think of it this way. If somebody um, had your bank account number and uh, they knew that you uh, owed all kinds of money and in fact, you had totally overdrawn your account to the point that you would never in your lifetime be able to make up enough to repay it and get it back to to equal footing, let alone have a profit. And, and Jesus comes and he says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay that. You know what? I'm going to deposit an infinite amount in your account so that it covers all of that debt and you have plenty, all you would ever need going forward. And he credits it to your account. In a sense, that's what happens when Jesus satisfies God's wrath. His righteousness, your your sin and my sin and our filth is totally covered over. And our righteousness, uh, Jesus' righteousness is debited into our account and covers all of our sin. Completely. You and I can never add anything else to it. There's nothing we can add to it. And because of that, the Father looks at us and declares us righteous. He doesn't say, do this, and you'll be righteous. He says, no, you're declared righteous. Now, there's one way you and I uh, attain that righteousness. It's Jesus has done it by his grace, and then he also has given us redemption. He's freed us from sin. Well, then the Holy Spirit comes and works in our hearts and changes you and changes me and causes us to believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And my only part in all of this transaction, the only part I play and that you play is to believe, to have faith, to trust. The word in the Greek that we see here, by faith and believe, is actually the same word. It means I simply believe, I have faith, I trust Jesus. That's how I receive it it's by faith alone. And that's what Paul's saying. You're not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done and the Father declaring you righteous. That's the only way to be saved. See, while Jews have committed faith, were trying to keep the law, their faith often rested in attempts, in their attempts or in their law. So, so Paul continues his argument about freedom and the law here in Galatians 2 by saying in verse 16, no one can be justified by works of the law. It's just impossible. It has no power. All the law does is point out our failures. It shows how many times you fall short. In fact, in his arguments in Romans, chapters one, two, and three, Paul says we're guilty because of creation. Uh, We're created. We come into this world guilty. We're guilty because of our conscience. We go against our conscience and sin. And we're guilty because of the law. He says in Romans chapter three, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And later in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, he says this in, in verse 10 and 11. He says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. You ever hear somebody say, um, they're coming towards the end of their life and you're like, would the, uh, do you know, um, let me just ask you, do you know if you would die Today or tomorrow or next week. Do you know what would happen to you? Uh, if I'm right and there's heaven for those who have been redeemed by Jesus and hell for those who haven't to pay the penalty for their sin. Do you know what would happen to you? And, and a lot of times there's actually a survey recently that said about 75% of people in North America uh, believed uh, that they kept the Ten Commandments pretty well, and and most many people would say, "Well, you know, if I died, I think my good works would outweigh my bad works. I've been a pretty good person, and uh, that I would be saved." Well, look what Paul says. He says, "All who rely on works are under a curse. In fact, because." Uh, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. See, it's not just did you do more good than bad, it's did you do all good and no bad. (laughs) You're cursed if you don't do all of it. (laughs) So the first time you fail at like age one and a half, you're done. Earlier than that, to be real honest. Right? We're toast. Now it's evident that no one, Paul writes in verse 11 of Galatians 3, is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. That phrase right there turned Luther's world upside down. He he came to understand that no, righteousness is living. I live out righteousness not by getting it all right and doing it all right. I live it out by faith in Jesus Christ who already got it all right for me and his work on the cross. Well, uh, Paul talks in verse 16, he says, I know a person isn't justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the law, no one will be justified. Can I explain to you a little bit what this looks like to put your faith totally in Jesus? Hey, kids, are you still here with me? I need seven of you, and I need... I need brave ones. I see somebody over there. You two, both of you two, come on down. We'll go back over here. Coop, I see you. Or counter, I mean, sorry. Right here, buddy. Tony, right? I don't know everybody's names, but I know some of you. Van, why don't you come up? How many we got? We got five. You can hold on to me. It's okay. I need two more. Who else? Who do we got? Come down, buddy. We got one more. Right here, Sydney, come on down. All right, now here's what we're going to do. You, are you guys brave? Hey, no, not you. <laughs> you can come too, bud. Hey, do you want to come too? Come on down. It's all right. We'll use a few more. It won't hurt anything. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Do you see this chair? Who's feeling especially brave? All the boys, Van. I'm gonna start with you. Come on over. Come on over, Van. Don't be afraid. You thought you were brave. Come on, come this way. Come this way. Come here. Okay, Connor. Come here. Stand up on the chair and just face out of everybody. Now, the rest of you guys, come. Every, rest of you, come over here. And what I need you to do, all of you, yeah. So, what's your name? Alexa. Alexa. Would you stand here and turn this way? Sorry. Is that okay? Stand right there. What's your name, buddy? Will. Will, you stand right by Alexa. What's your name? Camden. Camden, why don't you come right over here by Will? I better move this out of the way or this could be bad news. Now, who else do we got? What's your name, pal? Jace. Jace, why don't you go right here? Tony, right here. Caden. Tony's over there. My bad. Van, I'm going to switch you out with Will. Will, why don't you come over here? And then Sydney. You move out here, Bow. You go right there by Van. Now you guys go straight. Scoot really close together. Scoot up close. This way. No, not this way. Keep the, keep it open here. Go this way. Right here. Go right here, Van. Go right here, Sydney. This is a lot of work, isn't it? Now take your hands so you can just set your stuffed animal on the floor, Alexa. There you go. And just go like this. Put your hands out. Now here's what's going to happen. Why don't you move together just a little bit closer. Here's what's gonna happen. Cooper or Connor doesn't know it yet. I keep calling everybody by their brother's name. I'm sorry, guys. Connor doesn't know it yet, but he's gonna fall. And you guys have to catch him. Do you think you can do it? Yeah. Don't let him fall and hit the floor. Connor, do you trust these people? <laughs> Why don't you turn around and look at them? See if you trust them. No? <laughs> Connor, you get to exercise faith today. Are you ready to do it? Now, here's what I want you to do. Because, hold on. Hey, now you guys have to be have to have to make sure you catch him. Okay? It is scary. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not scary at all. Now, here's, here's what's going to happen. Now, what you're going to demonstrate for us, Connor, is what it looks like to totally trust Jesus. Because oftentimes. When you fall, what you can't do is you can't, like, kind of sort of fall and then step down. That's not trusting them, is it? Trusting them means you're going to fall, and everything about you, you're totally trusting these guys to catch you. And I'll help them. Okay? And so when we trust Jesus, if our faith isn't totally in Jesus and Jesus alone to catch us. You talking this out? You got it? All right. All right. Should we just get to the illustration? All right, here we go. Connor, when you're ready, keep your legs locked. And are you guys ready? All right, here we go. On the count, Let's, let's help him. Let's count. One, two, three. All right. Good work. Alexa, you want to go, too? All right, we'll do one more. We'll do one more. I want to go, too. We'll do it after. Here we go. go Anybody else want to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. One, Can I go? Come, come, help. One. Here we go, Lex, on the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> Perfect. Give him a hand. Can I do it? No, we Good job, guys. Thank get you. Me. Good Thank job. That was awesome. Good work. Do you get the picture, though? Now, how many of you, if I called seven adults up here to do that, would, would trust those adults to do the same thing? <laughs> you got one. But the truth of the matter is, that's what it looks like to totally trust Jesus. It's totally out of my hands. I just, I just fall on his grace. I put my faith in him that he's going to catch me. And as Luther wrote, um, faith is such a sure and certain thing that a man can bet his life on it a thousand times. Because God keeps every one of his promises. And his promise to you is that if you would simply believe in him and have faith in him and his finished work on the cross that he would save you. Not in yourself, not in anyone else, but in Jesus and Jesus alone. See, faith leads to justification, but the law leads to condemnation. And you might even just write above law on your notes, works lead to condemnation. Um, The law, which is what the Judaizers were putting on the Galatians, is really the deadly option. All it did is reveal how far short everyone fell. That they could never do it on their own. That you could never be good enough. See, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 3, he said, We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. In other words, the the law has such a high standard that even when you think I've got it, it, no, 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 it it speaks to you and you realize you're still incredibly short of obeying it fully. And you always fall short. That's why he says in verse 20 that that through the law comes knowledge of sin. All it does is reveal to us how far short we fall. Have you been trying to live a life pleasing to God simply by doing enough good works that you hope, fingers crossed, Maybe I'm going to be saved. Maybe he'll look at my life and think, when, when I die, it'll be enough. Boy, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. No, 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 no. How about you know so? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because your good works are never going to get you there. Ever. And neither will anyone else's. So if it's not expected of you, be careful not to expect it of someone else either. And realize that it's all on Jesus Christ. By following works, it leads to condemnation. It's the deadly option. But Jesus offers a living way. See, he goes on, Paul Paul does in chapter uh, 2. After verse 16, he says, um, at the end of verse 16, we'll be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ... We too were found to be sinners. Is Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. He's like, just because I've sinned in my life, does that mean that uh, somehow I'm not justified? No. It means I'm in the process of being sanctified, but Jesus has totally paid it. It's the transaction that's done and cared for. And he, he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. He's talking about if I go back and start imposing works on people to be saved, I just prove myself to not have understood his grace and not to really put my faith in Christ. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Faith lives to justification, the law or works to condemnation. So I would commend to you, choose the life uh, of combination. I'm a poet and I didn't know it this week. How do you like that? (laughs) Choose the life of combination. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, look with me at the last two verses of this passage. Paul says, see, uh, in verse 19, I'll, I'll read that again. He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see what Paul says there? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Why was Christ crucified? For sin, for my sin, for your sin. He says, I was crucified. My sin, uh, my old self was nailed to the cross and it is, what happens after you're crucified? You What? Die. It's dead. It's dead. Dead. Guess what? Dead people can't do any good works. <laughs> you know what? Someone who's dead can contribute nothing. If you're dead, if you put your faith in Christ and you've been crucified with him, you are dead. It's no, in no way to your account anymore. You're dead. That's what Paul says. You're like That sounds harsh, but you know what? It's actually really freeing. Because now it's not on me. Nope, I'm dead. Guess who it's on? The one who lives, Jesus. See, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's not my good works, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's all of his works, all of his righteousness. And the life I now live in the flesh, any of the good works I do now, you know what? I I do them, I live that way by faith in the Son of God. I have faith in Jesus Christ that his work on the cross is enough to satisfy God's wrath and that, that the Father has declared me righteous and that I will be saved. And it has nothing to do with me. Now now think about this too. In terms of your justification of being declared righteous by God. If I'm dead and I now live in Christ. I've given him all of my sin, all of my filth, all of my shame. And he paid the penalty for it on the cross. Amen? Amen. Guess what I get in return. I get every one of his good works. Do you know? Think about this. When you read the Gospels and you read about Jesus raising Lazarus from the grave, guess who gets credit for that? You and I do. Have you ever considered that? When you see Jesus do incredibly good things and loving things towards people, all of his good works, who gets credit for that? You and I do if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. So what Paul says. He says, I no longer live. If I'm dead, if I no longer live, who lives in me? Jesus does. So whose works are credited to me? Jesus are. It's not on you. That's, a, that's incredible. Do you get that? Every good thing Jesus did is debited into your account. You get credit for it. Before the Father. Guess who did it? Not you. But guess who gets credit? You. How? Through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. See, he goes on. He says, that's why we call it the life of combination. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. But now, because of Christ, I live. His good works are combined To my credit, to my account. That's incredibly good news. Amen? Loved ones, that's the gospel. And so you need to know if if you've never believed in Jesus Christ, man, why not? Today, would you trust him? Quit trying to do it on your own. You're never going to get there. If you have trusted him and you're unsure if you've done enough good things for God to, or if your faith is strong enough for God to actually save you, you know what? Just simply believe in Jesus Christ because guess what? He is strong enough to save. And if you've put your faith in him, everything that he's done is to your account. You get credit. That's incredible. Let me pray. Uh, We'll take our offering. We'll call it a morning. And uh, call it a day. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us through him. Lord, I I pray that um, we would each walk away with just a profound understanding of your grace. That that your grace and Jesus, your work on the cross is what saves us. That that truly, um, we get credit for all of your good works, Jesus. And you take credit for all of our sin on the cross. That's why Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, through one man came death in Adam, but through one man, Jesus Christ, comes righteousness to all who would believe. That he who who knew no sin became sin so that we could have the righteousness and be the righteousness of God. Lord, the, the gospel is so profound and it's so simply attained, simply by believing. Holy Spirit, today... If somebody hears my voice and they've never just simply put their faith, Jesus, in you, would today be the day they get freedom and trust you? If that's you and you hear my voice and you're hearing these things, all you need to do is confess to the Lord in your heart. I've sinned. I've messed up. I can't do it on my own. And Jesus, I need your gift. I need your grace. And I believe that you've paid it for me. And I thank you for it. And I receive it. And Lord, for the rest of us, give us assurance in our faith in you. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen.